harmony you're going to sing on it. <laughs> and I'm going to stare <laughs> dead at your Stare at your big dumb eyes. <laughs> Welcome to the Books We Loved, podcast through the Troy Public Library. Today we are going to explore a more contemporary piece of media. Instead of delving into the past, we want to touch on something that we like right now, and it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) We can. So today we are talking about Daisy Jones and the Six. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the show. We're going to talk about all of our favorite music-based media the music we love, the music-y books we love, the music-y movies we love, our favorite rock docs. We have a lot for you today. And it's sort of a unique situation. We got our guest, Elizabeth, from our community engagement department here the day before we want the podcast to come out. We're going to really try and get this thing out tomorrow because as of this recording, the finale for the TV show comes out on Friday, right? The yes. last two episodes. Last so we want to we want to get this out quick. So we're going to do just like just like a rock band would, a rough and ready. We're not going to overthink it. It's lo-fi. It's rock and stream roll. Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. Let it all thought, out. Best thought. Yeah. So we, you guys, I'm not going to do a huge intro for Elizabeth because we've had her here before when we talked about sequels movie sequels. <gasps> this is the sequel to oh. my guest visiting i don't know yeah. what words i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i was with you i get it so this is your return visit yes. and we are Welcome talking back thank yeah. you it's so nice to be back and so i want to share that when i asked elizabeth for a list of things she wanted to talk about for the podcast it was like my brain melted because every single thing on that list was something i wanted to talk about but we ended up but Daisy Jones and the Six, why did you pick this? This is, so my, the only book I've ever written a Goodreads review for is Daisy Jones and the Six. Uh-huh. And my review on Goodreads was, oh, I finished this book, immediately like closed the back cover, flipped it over and read it again. Uh-huh. So this was a book, you just read it, you loved it. What was it about this book that appealed to you so much? I have always been a big like classic rock fan, like The Who is my favorite band of all time, mm. and I'm big into like character heavy books. Like I don't really care if exciting things are happening as long as the characters are interesting. And what I love about this book is each character is so fleshed out because it's told in like the interview format, so you get mm-hmm. everyone's like perspectives so clearly, I guess. So yeah, that's what I like. I like that Kind of all of the characters you love, but you also could fight them at any given chance. (laughs) They're messy people. They're so messy. And I love that because it makes me love them more. It makes Mm -hmm. them feel more real. Yes. And you loved the book too, right, Amanda? I did. I actually listened to it. I was telling Elizabeth before we started recording. um, I remember it, it was coming out. It was super big as soon as it dropped and I got it right away. And I started listening to it on Libby and I stopped. I'm like, I thought this was a novel. And I literally Googled it and I'm like, yeah, it is a novel. It it reads or listens to so much like a real story. And it's loosely based off of um, Fleetwood Mac, which we talked about yes. earlier. It was so engrossing. Same thing. You you get the full characters. They're telling their point of view. You're getting their sides and their stories. And, you know, it's so funny. Someone will tell you their side or their perspective of something that happens in the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. And then you hear it from the other person's point of view. And it's like that. That's my favorite. That kind of he said, she said for some of the fights and some of the reasons yeah. like yes. why the band, this happened with the band. And you get so sucked into it. And it's so fascinating. And it's so interesting because I feel like it especially the parts where they are like oh like especially with billy they'll be like well billy did this because he's and they will like put the thoughts in billy's head and then Mm -hmm. you hear from billy and he's just like i just you know i was so focused on the album man or you know whatever Uh but everyone else is like well he's a control freak and he these are the reasons he did this thing and it's like well you never really know yeah other people's reasons so it's just i think it's so interesting and so well done 
And I think it's so different than I feel like so many novels that we read. It's you're you know you're hearing it from the author's perspective, even if they put it in the first person voice of that character. Versus the way that you read this, it you feel like you can trust them more because they feel more real. You're getting that very real experience, like you said the you know, Billy did this for this reason, but then you hear Billy's voice and he's like, nah, man, I just did it because X, Y, Z. Yeah. So it really changes the dynamic of the characters. Absolutely. Especially with Eddie. Cause Eddie is so like, I think I'm getting his name right. He's so like sensitive about things. And he mm-hmm. especially is like, Billy did this specifically to spite me. And yeah. And then it is kind of sad when Billy's like, I literally never think about Eddie ever (laughs) like Eddie's opinion on things is not (laughs) ever on my mind yes (laughs) we all know that we experience stories from all these different perspectives and we take things personally that we're not you know we shouldn't and to have it be in these like really aspirational rock star figures doing the same thing that we would do I think is really appealing it's very humanizing because it is like this you know everyone is so in their own head yeah so I think and I think that's one of the things that the book does so well is that it's like because they're telling it like when is the interview taking place because the show does 20 years okay but I think the book does like I thought it was 40 40. Yeah. yeah so they have like all of this distance between so that it's like, you know, you have the, first of all, they were all on drugs. So it's like the unreliable narrator. No one really knows sure. what was going on. And then, yeah, all of the emotions that you're feeling alter your memories of what happened. So I think sure. that that adds an extra element of yeah stuff going on. Yeah, I know. I have to say when I, so this book, it combines all of my favorite things. There's like the classic rock thing. I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Stevie Nicks. Yes. She's like my hero. I, and I've been learning more about her in preparation for this, and I'll share some of the stuff I learned, but it just makes me love her more, like everything I've read. I just admire her so much as like a writer and a musician and just like a style icon. Yes. And just some, like a woman who knows herself and just, but I didn't read it when it first came out. I think I tried to get it on audiobook because everybody was like, you have to listen to the audiobook, yeah. you know. So good. So good. Um, but I couldn't get my hands on it because it was so popular for so long. So finally, just in preparation for watching the show, I read it. And um, it. I think part of my resistance was that I was just furious that somebody thought of this idea before I could write it. Yes! <laughs> Such a smart idea. I remember when it came out, I took my friend to Barnes & Noble because I'd gone to all my local libraries and it was like checked out everywhere. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm giving up. I'm just going to Barnes & Noble and buying a copy. And I told my friend the premise and she just looked at me and she's like, are you sure you didn't write that yeah. book? Because that is so up your alley. It's like if I had to describe the book I thought you'd write, it would be that. And I was like, yeah, no, she got there first. <laughs> what do you think it is about Fleetwood Mac that inspires the, these like strong feelings or this kind of band story, this sort of like rags to riches? It was just kind of making me think of like the Disney princess thing when you're a kid. We're kind of fed that story of the possibility of being really special or having like a greater opportunity, right? Everybody wants that. I feel like every kid that's read Harry Potter wants that for themselves they want to find out that they're unique and they're special and that there's something something bigger waiting for them and I think as adults it's the same thing we want to we want those rags to riches stories you want to know that it's possible to flip your life and have someone discover what you're really good at and have it be something that moves you forward right yeah I mean that's kind of the way I feel about it and I feel like with bands like that there's this element of like you said like the being unique and just being special and Oh, what am I trying to say? Like when when Daisy talks about like the quote that everyone says where she's like, I'm not the muse, I'm the somebody. Yes. Like yeah. that is just, I think we all want, especially women and like women in rock and roll, like we have so few of those stories to yes. kind of hold on to that we kind of like have to lift them up even higher because it's. And I feel like that switch was, I think the time frame is perfect because I feel like that switch was flipping in the 70s, right? You had like Janis Joplin, you had on Stevie Nicks, these really strong spirited women that all of a sudden were really important to rock and roll, right? Versus previous generations. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, because who was it? Patty Boyd, I think, who was like the muse muse of everyone. And it's like, well, she, I have her biography. I haven't read it because I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like she had all she had her story told by the men in her life 
when it's like, oh, but what's, like, she must have been magnificent to inspire so many great songs, but she was just the muse. She well, not needed, just the she muse, She needed but. the men to mansplain her own life yes, back to her, right? Exactly. <laughs> I still think we see some of that stuff going on where men feel like gatekeepers in the music community, like that article and... We won't get into it too much, but that article about Ryan Adams that came out a few years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. I loved his music in college. He was accused of all the gross stuff that men are accused of in music world, and Phoebe Bridgers was really instrumental. I mean, he made the Mm -hmm. mistake of messing around with Phoebe Bridgers, and she's such a powerhouse. She came out, and not only was he accused of, like, you know, just just being lascivious, he... Um, was also accused of gatekeeping and like preventing women from releasing their albums and preventing them from furthering their career. And it is sort of like how much of this stuff is still going on. You have to imagine it's still going on. Oh, for sure. And I read this article about um, Stevie Nicks. There's this great article um, in The Independent. It's called How Fleetwood Mac's Silver Springs Inspired Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm actually, I might put it, uh, it's really good. It's about... Stevie Nicks, and she wrote Silver Springs, which is, like, one of the best songs. It's so I specifically good. wanted to bring up the, I think it's 1995 performance 97. of the 97. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. The performance of them singing it live. When Chills. I watched, there was a scene in Daisy Jones that when I watched that, I was like, oh, this, this, they basically recreated this specific live performance of Silver Springs. Yes. Silver Springs from 1997. Yeah, okay. if you gonna, look it up, I'm in gonna the look dance. it in my phone because I want to watch it later before I watch Daisy Jones. Yeah, it's six. oh my god. So this article talks about it and how yeah exactly mm-hmm. that it inspired. And you can watch it. And I watched it last night, and I was like, Ooh, <gasps> chills, ah. chills. It's so powerful. Okay, so Stevie Nicks wrote Silver Springs. This is quoting the article. She wrote Silver Springs about the end of her romantic relationship with bandmate Lindsey Buckingham. She originally intended it to appear to appear on Rumors Fleetwood Mac's arguably their biggest album but the track was removed by mick fleetwood in favor of her other song i don't want to know and so and um she was interviewed by the bbc in 1991 and she said i started to scream bloody murder and probably said every horrible mean thing you could possibly say to another human being and walked back in the studio completely flipped out i said well i'm not gonna sing i don't want to know i am one-fifth of this band And they said, well, if you don't like it, you can either A, take a hike, or B, you better go out there and sing I Don't Want to Know, or you're only going to have two songs on the record. And so basically with a gun to my head, I went out and sang I Don't Want to Know, and they put Silver Springs on the back of Go Your Own Way. So they buried this incredible song, and because it was sort of like a, this is a song about how much I hate you, to Lindsey Buckingham, who rumor has it was a very controlling person even though she there's this great masterpiece with oprah and you can listen to it as a podcast too with stevie nicks and she talks about her relationship with lindsey buckingham and how they were kind of like lifelong problematic soulmates and they like like the characters in daisy jones and just dogged each other and she said in an mtv or this article says in an mtv interview the year of the reunion that the dance thing that elizabeth was talking about she explained she wanted the song to let buckingham know quote i'm so angry with you you will listen to me on the radio for the rest of your life and it will bug you i hope it bugs you oh my gosh (laughs) it's so good there's like a line where she says like you'll never escape the The sound of the woman that loves you yes (gasps) oh and she looks right in his Big dumb eyes when she <laughs> sings it, and it's just like he's such a dope. Too. Yes. Sorry, I know he's musically very talented, but I'm always like, he's so dope. He's so yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have because like at least with Billy, the guy they cast, Sam Clef Kathlin, that guy. Yeah, Billy <laughs> he guy. like he's so dreamy. Yeah, but sometimes rock stars really do. You get the like the Mick Jagger and like the. Yeah, you're like, what's the sex appeal? Yeah, again? Where you're like, like, you, you are got just an amazing voice, man, but I don't get it. You're so um, dopey looking. Like, yeah, what is going on? But then I get it because, again, with like the Who, actually, my first celebrity crush was um, Brian May from Queen. Oh, my who's God. just like the lankiest, like, yes, big poofy hair and his wooden clogs and like what a dork. Yes, loved him. Paul McCartney. Yeah, and John Lennon were my Ooh. first. Oh, those crushes. are some classic ones. 
I do kind of get it because when we remember we were talking about which Chris is our favorite, Chris Evans or Chris whatever. Obviously, mm-hmm. Chris Evans. <laughs> I was like sitting there in that conversation, and I, I was like, "Is there something different about me fundamentally?" <laughs> because I don't really. For me, it's all about energy. Like, yes. Uh, how a person looks is like whatever. Not to reveal too much about my preferences, for people, <laughs> but like I can't. We're gonna deep and dive. maybe that's like part of the sort of like rock and roll having grown yes. up with this is that it's all about like energy and confidence and like a, how a person is. So I'm like, I don't know, just from a picture, I'd have to like hang out with them. One of the me. things. So I studied religion in college. That's what my major was. And I wanted to write my like big end of the year paper on comparing cult leaders to rock stars Amazing. or like groupies to cult yes, followers. followers. And totally. like, I was like, I know there's a parallel here, but just not enough people have like studied that direct comparison. So I couldn't write the paper, but it's just like haunted me ever since where I'm like, there's something here. I totally. know it. Cause it's just, yeah, there's something about certain people like I was watching Lewis Capaldi who I love he's like love of my life but he just has this energy about him where I'm like that's my friend up there like we know each other I don't know what (laughs) no I think you're right Olivia I think it there's something about confidence that is extremely sexy Mm -hmm. that can draw you to that person going back to the cult thing too they're always very charismatic yes they have a lot of times that like weird fatherly figure thing that's we can unpack that Oedipus <laughs> complex another day. But then that that charisma, but also that confidence, and they just really, yes. And talent. Suck you in. Yes. I'm thinking of Jim Jones and like, um, yeah. I can't think, Jonestown. Yep. Yikes. When you, you think about like, a terrifying yeah. documentary about cults, that one. Like Charlie, yeah, Manson, it's like that's. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, yeah. that was gross. He had like crazy eyes. first day. You know, Charlie from this. the get go, the dude had crazy yes, eyes. Yes, but like he wanted stuff. to be a musician. Yep. But he accidentally started a cult instead. Like that's drugs. Kids don't do drugs. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's something too when you're thinking about John Lennon and Paul McCartney, who's same, like just gorgeous duo. But if you watch the old, I mean, they're the classic example of girls like fainting and crying. Oh yeah, yes. very cultish. Mm hmm. And then I went to see, um, this might say a lot about me, but my sisters and I love to love One Direction together as like a social thing. Just, Amanda, nobody's asking for your oh, judgment right now. I, I'm not I'm not in the Listen. judgment bushes. I was just looking down at the table, Olivia. Oh, judgment it is bushes. an interesting table, isn't well, it? There I'm was here, a piece of fur on it. I'm here with Olivia because I've seen One Direction five times. You lucky duck. I I've only love, seen the movies. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love... Love One Direction. But I did have a feeling when I went, so uh, my sisters and I went to see the like concert movie. I yes. can't remember. It was years ago. And they would show, I started to get uncomfortable because there was a sh- like a shot of calm, cool, collected men singing together. And then a reverse shot of girls absolutely freaking out. And then cool dudes. <laughs> and then freaking out yes. girls. And I was like, what is this really doing like these images are in my brain now and in the these young girls because I was clearly like one of the oldest people there like what is this what is this portraying oh well and there is Mm. this argument of and I have gotten in many fights with many dude bros about like you know I'll do the thing where I'll call the Beatles a boy band and they're like oh my gosh how dare you and I'm like excuse me who made the Beatles famous teenage girls who totally. made, like, but when Harry Styles' album, like, his first solo album came out and everyone was, like, really, like, trying to fight that it was a really good album and you couldn't really argue with its, you it's know, good. its merit. And people were like, mm, but he's just the guy from One Direction. And I'm like, why? Like, pull yourself out of your own butt for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I could not think. I tried to come up with another you said that analogy. so reasonably. <laughs> Actually, if you could just... Um, work with me here and try to pull yourself. Yeah, respectfully, <laughs> remove your head from your bottom and let's like look at this logistically. Right. Like, why is that something any being... different than John Lennon's solo yes. albums or Paul McCartney in the Wings? Exactly. It's, it's like, like things that young girls like. We have to trash because, yes. and it's like they're the they're smart, they're discerning, mm-hmm. and they're if you can get young girls to like the things you're making, they're, they're passionate. Like, passionate. That is. 
it fuels everything. And it was smart with the Beatles because it was, you know, what was it? I remember learning once in history in college, like kids started having disposable income like in the 20s. Yes. So you now have this next generation of kids that has the disposable income to get records, to pay for concerts, which, yeah. So it's like you have the disposable income, you have that audience and it's like, they did the thing. They had all the guys, they dressed them the same. They gave them the same haircuts that were like slightly jaunty back then. Yeah. (laughs) Just rebellious enough to get the kids' attention without, like absolutely, totally ostracizing them from. Yes, they still had the suits to make them semi respectable. Yeah, respectable yeah, and yeah. presentable. Related, guess who's besties? Harry Styles and Stevie Nicks. <gasps> yes, no, they're not. They they're so really, are. They just great TikTok. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna say they've done multiple concerts together. Yeah, they've sang. Stevie Nicks has said like Harry Styles is like her it's like son. I'm gonna drop this yeah. bomb here. I don't know. I don't know Harry Styles' voice enough that I recognize him when he's on the radio. That but then when me. I'm like, "Oh, this song's nice. It's catchy. Like I don't mind it." And then they'll be like, "Oh, Harry Styles." Well, what? Actually, it's not because there's no DJs anymore. It's all <laughs> streaming. I'm listening on Pandora. But then I'll look down and it's like, "Oh, it's Harry Styles." Okay, yeah, I don't mind him at all. No, I, I love that. That's yeah. like my old person response to Harry Styles. I don't mind him at all. I don't you mind know what? At all. that young man's going I got places. It going. You know, full circle, I got my niece hooked on One Direction when I would babysit her as like a wee wee baby, and I would just play One Direction for her all the time, and then she became a super big Harry Styles fan, and my brother was like fighting it, and he was like, oh, wait, why would you do this? My YouTube algorithm's all messed up. <laughs> and guess who's now like looking at Harry Styles tickets and being like, I guess I could take her. He's kind of cool. <laughs> now, old person question real quick. So One Direction was Harry Styles. Who was yes. the other guy? N- Niall? Niall Horan. Horan. He did the hands. Slow hands? Slow hands, oh, yes. I like that song. And then Louis, Liam, and Zane. And they haven't done anything. Lu- okay, Zane. they have all released albums. Okay. Nothing quite as popular. Liam had like one, he had one hit. And I then mean, they all can't be amazing. Well, they, oh, listen, it's, they all are amazing. I'm sorry. They <laughs> They all are amazing, but maybe they all don't have that continued trajectory. Yes. And that's okay. it's hard because, yeah, there's only, you know. Maybe Zane wants to be a carpenter. You just never know. (laughs) Has anybody asked him? You know. What if he's secretly a librarian? I. He went back for his MLIS. You know, um, what's his face? Not uh, the Rolling Stones one. The the Rolling Stones guy. (laughs) Mick Jagger? No, the other one. Oh, um. Oh, I can picture Keith Richards. His, Keith Richards. You. I was like, Keith I can Richards picture his face. Said in his incredible autobiography, by the way. Oh, yeah, maybe we can talk about our favorite rock docs and rock yes. autobiographies. But his his autobiography is fantastic. And he says that if he could have picked another career path, it would have been librarianship. I love Get out. that. I love him. He's I think very that's, literate. He's I think that's smart. why Brian May was like especially special to me is because he's also an astrophysicist. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, that's a, that's a, beautiful duality of man that's like every parent when you're a kid when you're like i'm gonna be a baseball star <laughs> or you're like i'm gonna be a singer and your parents are like that's a great you should do that but you should also go to college and have something to fall back on yes he did it he Astro- did astrophysicist yep astrophysicist. magnificent oh you know what this is the other thing i was gonna say when yes. we were talking about why this story feels like something we should have written and feels like we have this sense of ownership over mm-hmm. i feel like part of that is because And maybe you're like this too, Elizabeth. I don't know, Amanda, if you would be like this. But I liked, I when I was growing up, this stuff was like passe. Like I grew up with my mom's album collection and like she loves Stevie Nicks and she loves Bob Dylan and the Beatles and like all these bands that she kind of gifted me that none of my friends listened to. Yes. And if so, it felt like mine, even though like that's a real hubris kid thing to think. Yes. Like the Beatles are my band. I still, well, listen, I think that that's, I absolutely agree. And I did have that same thing where I was like, yeah, rock and roll is like my thing. And because I remember I went through like a big Elvis phase in like fourth and fifth grade. And I was like, if anyone else was like, oh, I remember like kind of not getting into a fight, but my one, my best friend at the time, her mom loved Elvis too and she would be like oh how cute like let's bond over Elvis and I was like back <laughs> let's up let's watch Blue Hawaii <laughs> yeah and I'm love that movie you've never heard of him you don't know him like exactly I, do. I was like um okay Elvis is like mine right. what do you because I wasn't used to yeah having to like 
share my interests with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And you think things are made the second before you listen to them and that you discovered it. Like yes. my little niece does this all the time. I was driving her to Barnes and Noble and she's in the backseat of the car. And I said, what do you want to listen to? You can pick the music. And she goes, okay, have you ever heard of Whitney Houston? <gasps> Bless oh her. <laughs> that like, is you know I've heard of Whitney amazing. Houston. <laughs> it was just like a, this person you're like, that when she you're likes. older, we're going to watch The Bodyguard together. <laughs> I'm going to teach you about Kevin Costner. <laughs> and then you slow wink at her. So she's like, oh. she's like, um, no, thank you. I think you're in I a feel restaurant. uncomfortable. <laughs> and the Jackson 5 came on, the ABC. Oh, yeah. And she was like, she lit up. And she looked at me and she was like, oh. And she sang along a little bit. She's like, I've heard this song before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know you haven't heard that many songs, but it's literally everybody's like heard this. Yeah. Years, <laughs> but good for you. You discovered it. And that's magical. It's discovery to her. And I think, again, I'm going to like bring it back to like the whole cult thing. I think that that's why the musicians, there's an element of, oh, I discovered this. This is special to me. But there's also an element of like, and it's when like with One Direction, there's a big like, oh, I'm like Harry, like I'm a Harry girl or whatever. Ew. Oh god. <laughs> Meant Harry Styles, but that came out. I'm gonna switch that around. Oh, I'm a Nile girl. Yeah. And it's like because oh, we have a connection. And even when other people are like, Nile's also my favorite, you're like, but you don't get him the way I do. No, you don't get it. Like if you have that cult of personality oh, and it yeah. allows you to kind of connect with like the listeners and like the, you know, people watching your things or whatever. It just allows like a more, and I think I'm going to bring it to Daisy Jones when they're, when she like goes up on stage and she's like, there's a part where they're like chanting for her yes. and everyone's kind of looking like, what are you doing to like the crowd? Like they love you so much. And she's just like, yeah. And she thinks it's cause she's so talented, which she is, but also it's, she just has that like she's an magnetic personality that yeah. people are like, that's yeah, that's my friend Daisy Jones and we love each other. Yes. <laughs> And we talked a little bit earlier about how Free People, the super expensive, like, hippie clothing store, it has launched a Daisy Jones line, all clothes inspired by the show. And the clothes in the show are magnificent. So good. Super fun. So fun to watch. But Elizabeth and I were talking about it earlier, and it was like, Daisy Jones would never shop at Free People. Like, Daisy Jones had her unique individual, like Stevie Nicks did. Do you know how you catch unique clothing? You make up on it? (gasps) A clown just told me, a literal clown just told me that joke yesterday. How do you know a literal clown? That is disturbing. It's another story for another time. That's another podcast. Personally, I don't want the story because I just love the idea of Olivia (laughs) hanging out with a bunch of clowns (laughs) in her free time. Olivia's weird secret life outside the podcast. We all think she's like so cool and sophisticated. She goes home and she puts on those shoes that when she steps are like, (laughs) waka waka honk. Just pulling stuff from behind (laughs) people's ears all the time. Creepy. That's a magician. That's not a clown. Don't oh, the clown did the, the two. The clown I hung out with did a lot. Yeah, of that. don't limit her clowns. They're special and they have they're <laughs> multi talented. Sorry, don't, it's the second don't second them. time that I got pushed into the judgment bushes today. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep crawling into you know, the judgment Elizabeth, bushes. Elizabeth, not everybody can be a hairy girl like you. Listen, <laughs> embrace it. <laughs> I bet. Oh my gosh. Well, Do you remember? You're still younger than me, and you're like a ton younger than me. VH1 yes, used to have behind the music. Yes. And this is how we would get the stories of the bands from like the 70s and the 80s. And I think that was my experience of Fleetwood Mac. I think my aunt made me watch it because she was a huge Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks fan. Yeah, but the story what? behind the band was so important. Yeah. So what's your favorite, are we saying docu-series or, do, or, or band books? Here's a fun fact about me is I am only just recently like opening myself up to reading rock star autobiographies okay. and okay. like watching rock docs because I was I'm not going to say scarred from a very young age because that sounds dramatic, but like with I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan okay. and it's one of those you learn things about the band, that especially with classic rock and especially with like, as we were saying, like men in the 70s yeah. and the things they were allowed to do and the things that like oh, no yeah. repercussions yeah. it's like sometimes with bands you learn things that you can't unlearn yeah and then it makes it very Which, hard to like 
Listen to that music. Yeah, again. and just like yeah, love them as them. deeply because yeah. it's like with Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin so much, but goodness gracious, they were some icky, icky men. Yes, and it's very hard to. <laughs> that's really true. So that's like when the Who, when like Roger and Pete came out with their autobiographies in the last couple of years. I had them on my shelves for a very long time, and I was like, I'm just not ready right because i'm afraid of what i will learn right that's that's really a good point yeah so do you have favorite like movies with music at their heart or books with music fiction maybe yes so my one of the things that was on my list was school of rock love that movie which i have for my entire life claimed that that is responsible for at least 80% of my personality. (laughs) I really saw that movie and was like, this is the only thing I will need for the rest of time. Like my Instagram biography right now is you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) It's just good words to live by. But that one I think is really, what a great movie. That's a great movie. Yes. And Almost Famous, that's one that we have. I I wrote that down when we were talking earlier. (laughs) Yes. It's my favorite. That's one we've bonded over multiple times. It's so So good. So good. Isn't the band in that movie from Troy, Michigan? Yes. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. He goes, wow. Troy, yeah. Michigan. Yeah. I love the, that. I was watching it once, and I'm like, wait a second, what? Um, I l- love Standing in the Shadows of Motown. Did you ever watch that? No. Oh, it's so good. So it's about the backing band that you learn Ooh. did all of the Motown hits. They were like the session that. musicians for every single big hit. I mean, you would... Like, they list all of the songs that these people, like, basically made as good as they were, and you just can't believe it. Like, it's just song after song after song, and they recorded in Studio A. So if you go to the Motown Museum in Detroit, you can see, because most of the um, documentary is filmed in Studio A, and so they show you where they recorded everything, and then they do performances with, um, like, Shaka Khan does this incredible performance at the end that's just, like, worth watching the whole thing. Amazing. And you can go see where the movie was filmed. And I got to go back there. It's a cool place. Yes. Sometimes. You know, they're, like, what, doubling, tripling their size? They got that huge grant last year. Oh, really? Yeah, the Motown Museum's going to be ginormous. That's I think exciting. it's supposed to be done by, like, 2028 or something. Okay, cool. So, yeah. They should. I mean, that's very important so history. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about... We never gave a synopsis of the book. We've kind of talked around it, but I feel like we should give a good synopsis of the book for people who haven't actually read it yet. Okay. Um, This is from um, Taylor Jenkins Reid is the author. This is from her website. So it says, a gripping novel about the whirlwind rise of an iconic 1970s rock group and their beautiful lead singer, revealing the mystery behind their infamous breakup. Everyone knows Daisy Jones and the Six, but nobody knows the real reason why they split at the absolute height of their popularity until now. And then it it goes on. I don't want to keep reading it. That's good. Because it goes, but that's a good short kind of snip. Interesting. And this is just an epiphany I'm having now. I wonder if that's also part of the magic of like bands from like the 70s and like the 60s is we didn't have like that personal, like constant update of them where like, I think the 80s is kind of when it started, but I don't know that for a fact. But yeah, it's like we, it kind of like, and especially now with Instagram, it's like you don't release a song without doing like a whole huge thing on social media yeah like a whole announcement like here's every detail of what this song is about and like constant articles about like who was the song written about and then immediately the artist comes back with like here's what the song's actually about and like they break it down for us and it's so takes away from the mystery yeah we're like with this where they say like nobody knows why daisy jones and the six broke up and it's like well if that happened now we would know every detail. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I agree with the mystery being part of it. I can also see how the mystery might have enabled all the ickiness too. Yes. You know, so it's like we didn't know what was going on behind the yeah. scenes. And so it it is sort of like, do like I don't want to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also... I'm glad, you know, maybe now having a little bit more transparency makes it so that stuff doesn't happen as much, if it doesn't happen as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can hope that it allows for a little more safety behind the scenes and a little more. Yeah. And yeah, we don't, because that's the other thing is so many of these stories, like you think about the 27 Club, 
And because yes. there was so much like, yeah, just go out there and do your thing. And you're Epic. a musician. Do like yeah. whatever you want to do, whatever keeps the music coming. But it's like, okay, well, then that's why we had so many amazing musicians die so young. And that's why we have so many who are now coming out. You can't get, I've seen the who a couple times. And every time they talk about like Roger Daltrey has been very like <laughs> open about do not smoke weed at the concerts yeah. because he's like, get anything like that away from me. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And like about how it ruined his hearing. And it is kind of sad to see like, you know, these old rock stars up there with their tea. <laughs> Yeah. They'll be like, yeah. don't have fun, don't rock and roll. Like, yeah. Yeah. no, it's terrible, but it is. there's truth to it. Right, and you saw what it did to people. Yeah. yeah, That was a great part of that master class with Stevie Nicks is she went through, obviously, trouble with drugs, and um, she had, like, a rock and roll doctor. That was a big thing then. Doctors enabled yes. all of this, like, horrible drug Uppers addiction. and downers. And, yeah. Yes, and she talked about her relationship with that, and... She was very blunt. She was like, you know, people thought I looked beautiful and they enabled me. And she's like, I look at pictures of myself now and I say, like, I couldn't even open my eyes all the way. I didn't look beautiful. I looked high. I looked. Yeah. And they can see that they were that sort of like hedonistic lifestyle played really well with crowds, but they were being used in this and their bodies yes. were getting destroyed. And <laughs> the TikTok I was thinking of with Harry Styles, he's, he was talking about Stevie Nicks was the first, one of the first pre people to listen to his most recent album. And she came over to listen to it. And she brought all of her ladies, like her little coven. And they all came <laughs> over and he was like, they stayed until like 3 AM. And I was like, Ladies, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> and they just live these like nocturnal lives and they're like made fun of them and laugh. That's yeah. mad. That's so magical. Everything about that story is just perfect. It's different now. We're a yes. little bit more aware of wellness, probably because those rock stars were so yeah. transparent. But and mm -hmm. it's it's interesting because there is still this like, you know, not gonna lie, like when you watch the show Daisy Jones, it's like you see the cause we did give a synopsis. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you see the like Billy who's, who struggled with addiction and like when he like, tries to get sober and it's like about him yeah. and you can't help but watch the fun that the rest of the band yeah. is having. Yes. But then in the back of your mind, you're also like, okay, but they are also in trouble. Right. They're on the drugs. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> a it's healthy all, kind of fun. But it, it yes. is, it, you can't help but glamorize it. When it's these beautiful people doing yes. exciting things, mm -hmm. and your other option is like to go, oh no, thank you, like right. I'll have my Arizona iced tea, and yeah. it's like that just feels lame when they're over there doing, Jesus. and they're all doing it together. It's a bonding thing. Yeah. It's yes. not like now where there's like mocktails are so popular, yeah. and there's, yep. there's like yeah. definitely a push to try and make it not all about drinking all the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was a. I think they illustrated that really well. In Very the show. well, mm -hmm. and in the, in the book too, it's like. And then it also allowed for, like, I think that drift in the band where everyone's yeah. like, well, we kind of hate Billy because mm -hmm. we can't do fun things when he's around. And he's always yeah. talking about his wife and kids. And it's like, yes. well, because his other option is, like, to destroy everything. Right. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Which he... would break up the band. Exactly. Yeah. So. Rock in a hard place, Can't Billy. win for losing, yeah. man. Nope. Let's talk about Daisy. What do we think about Daisy? How do we feel about her trajectory? How do you feel about her character? I love Daisy. Daisy mm -hmm. is everything I wanted to be, but I'm also glad that I'm not. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> she, like, they always talk about, like, you know, there's the quote where they say she'll always be the woman bleeding in a beautiful dress or something mm -hmm. like that. And there's something so magical about that, like the artistry of suffering and like how okay. she's so beautiful and she comes from this well-off family but she has no one she's also an outcast she's so alone yeah, and like yeah. oh just so yeah I love her I love her story arc I love how self-aware she is and she I think that she balances really well between like being self-aware and knowing that she's like inherently selfish and inherently you know, ambitious to a fault and all of these things. The, there's a difference between, like, Stevie Nicks' origin story, which was she and Lindsey Buckingham, I think they met in, like, high school, and they started a band together, Buckingham Nicks. And so her creativity was always really tied with Lindsey Buckingham's yeah. creativity. And he, they, they were collaborative from the very beginning. But what I – and 
that, you know, that's their real story. <laughs> but what I liked in Daisy Jones, what Taylor Jenkins Reid did with Daisy is she made her her own artist from the beginning. Like she joined the band completely separately. The band was already its own entity. Yes. Yeah. And Daisy was writing her own songs and she had so much creative ambition and she was so mm-hmm. talented and it just, and I love stories about the intensity of collaborating with someone who gets it and who gets you and almost that, to a fault. Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. bit much. Yeah. That total intensity. Yes. How confusing it can be sometimes, especially when you're really young. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's scary to be seen so honestly. And when you can't like make the person stop because you're like, you get it. You understand what I'm going through. Yep. Oh, it's just so good. Their dynamic is so beautifully toxic and how old are they supposed to be when they all kind of come together like mid late 20s yeah yeah in the the book it's late yeah 20s yeah I you know I remember listening to this and just thinking oh my god I can't even imagine coming into that kind of fame and that kind of money and that kind of access to drugs and all that kind of stuff at that age because especially at that time period where it was kind of routine for bands I can see how it'd be very easy to get all kind of wrapped up in that and lose a sense of yourself. But I think she does, uh, Taylor Jenkins reads the author. I think she does a good job. Like you said, having her still be able to self-actualize and, and admit to these things that she's not good at. And, um, but I always feel bad for characters like her. It's like, you're beautiful and you're super talented, but you still make these really catastrophic decisions yeah. that are going to impact the rest of your life. And so I always feel so sorry for those characters. I know my one friend was like, oh, such a fun character. Like, I would totally have been like this one. I'm like, she just made me feel really sad. Yeah. Like, beautiful. Like, well-written. I loved it. I loved all the characters. But there's still just that lost Yes. Oh, there's a bone. There's a a lost girl. There is a bone-deep sadness to Daisy that never goes away. No. And but I feel I, like she's 70, if she was a real person, she'd be like 70 some years old now. Mm-hmm. And she's still that, there's still that girl in there. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, but I think that that's also what makes artists so powerful. Yes. Is that like. And so her so real. Yes, absolutely. So well written. What is the, where does the power come from? The sadness you think? I think it, from Almost the vulnerability mm. because yes. there's another line in the book where he says, so I, I'm going to say it's Eddie, but that's just because I blame everything on Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> but Eddie. he says something about like, I don't know, or maybe it's Karen actually, but whatever. The quote is like about you write these songs from like the depth of your heart and then you have to go out and perform them every night. And in their case, they're writing these songs about each other, like to each other. And then they have to go out and sing them to each other every oh, right. night and like to just pull your heart out like that and like yes. expose over it and over again that's it's what like you I, see in that performance yes it's like it i imagine i imagine it's similar to like going to therapy crying your eyes out and then having to go read the like transcript of your therapy yes. to a million people oh, yeah. and the person that hurt you the most is sitting in the front row yes telling you yes. how much playing lead guitar in harmony yeah and like yeah. and Tambourine. like singing a duet about how you hurt them just the same way and like yeah all of these oh it's I was just like texting my friend after i watched that um silver springs performance i was like i don't know if this is hot or <laughs> because it's like to be like here I wrote this new song about how much I effing hate you yes. you're on lead guitar and I'm just doing background vocals here's the harmony you're gonna sing on it <laughs> and I'm gonna stare Cheers. dead in your stare at eyes. your big dumb eyes it's so but again it's like it brings out it's that passion that they ignite in each other and I've never been a believer that like hate and love or oh separated yeah. by a thin line But then you see performances like that and you're like, oh, there's some truth to it. I think sometimes, and this is a theory I'm developing, that there is a period of hatred, like after an intense relationship like that, where you have just like incredible, intense intimacy and love for someone else, 
there's a period directly after that where hatred is how your body processes it. Like it turns it into this Ooh. spite and hatred and that's how it like kills it. And then you can kind of move on and do other things. Kind of like a, like it's a callus. It's like you have to harden it yeah. so that the oh, gooey stuff beneath, I don't know how calluses work. Because where, where <laughs> else does it go? Gooey stuff beneath. Is that the medical terminology? Yeah, I'm a doctor in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> Someone called it a woman's right to be angry and like how they buried Stevie Nicks' song about being angry and how, you know, I'm thinking about the Phoebe Bridgers article too and even like the Me Too thing. Yeah. How, you know, that wasn't without its problems, but it was certainly like women demanding to have their right to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. When I think it comes from, we're so much more comfortable with women being the victim and we're comfortable with women's sadness. We're comfortable with women being sad. We're comfortable with men being angry. Like those are, so when those things cross and it's like, Oh yeah. It's like when a woman is like, now wait a minute. Like that's not what I'm feeling. Like I'm burning with hatred and anger. We're like, that's not as poetic. That's not as beautiful to us. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and so I think that makes a lot of sense that that's why they buried the song. Cause they're like mad women, like angry women don't sell as well. They're not as like, it's not as sexy for a woman to be mad as it is for her to be sad. And unless you're being flirty mad. Yes. (laughs) And you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) You can, you can take that. that I'm so mad at you. (laughs) Flirty mad. I'm so mad at you. (laughs) Oink. Well, let's talk about the show. So I have been looking through reviews of it and they're not great reviews. A lot of, and I've heard like anecdotally people haven't really connected with the show. How did you feel about it, Elizabeth? I am trying so hard, and this is something I've never been good at, to separate the book and the show. Okay. And I do think that the show is very easy to get lost in. There have been a couple moments that I like pull myself out because I'm like, whoa, that was so different. And I don't know why they made that change. I think that the show is really good for what it is. Yes. But I would never, ever, ever, ever say, like, oh, you can watch the show instead of reading the book. Yeah. Like, the book itself is, like, it's its own entity. Yes. So I really like the show. I do think some of the changes that they made are, like, confusing and weird, and I don't love all of them. But I think the actors make it magnificent. Again, it's such a character story that I feel like with having those characters... It, you couldn't really go wrong yes. to a certain extent. And yeah, the sh- the clothes are just yes. so magnificent. The seeing the music performed on stage is like so fun, powerful in a way that I was not expecting. That music is so good. So good. They did a, such a good job with it. And yes. I love trying to figure out what Fleetwood Mac they're trying to kind of yeah song they're trying to nod to. That's where they lost me a little bit is because I think, and I think that it was a, it was a losing battle for like the people making the show mm. because the way the album is described in the book is like, how do you write a song knowing that the song you are about to write is already considered are the you? greatest song in the world? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. when they, when these fictional people wrote this fictional album, like they could put this title on it and then it's kind of up to the reader to kind of place like what best ever means to them. Yeah. But when you're putting a concrete song to it, it's like, well, yes, they had a big, it allows for like yeah. differences of opinion and it allows for like the direct comparisons where it's like, mm-hmm. also does Fleetwood Mac exist in Daisy Jones world? That's interesting. That's yeah. my question because they <laughs> do a lot of like, that was another, the music beyond like just the Daisy Jones songs, yes. but like the background music that so they play. Good. Yes. So what a, Great soundtrack. They've, oh, and that Patti Smith intro yes. song. I listen to it every time, even though you can skip the intro. Oh, yeah. I'd never skip the intro. No, me neither. That would be. I would never skip Patti. Patti's books, too. That's another one I was going to suggest is all of Patti Smith's books are incredible. She's such a good writer. Um, Just Kids, if you haven't read it, is like it's on my, the best. It's one on of the my best list. books I've ever read. Oh, I love it. Um, that's another great one. That's a great read. Like, actually, is just kids because it's about a really intense creative partnership and like best friends and coming up from grungy beginnings with artistic ambition. I think a lot of the reviews about the show they call it slick or they call it basically like too gorgeous, too like orchestrated, oh, okay. too perfect. 
and they liked the beginning part, which I thought it was the best part too. Yeah. Like the first few, that first batch of episodes. Mm-hmm. And then as they went on, it became too, like almost modernized. And I did kind of see that. I mean, I yeah. felt that way too. But I think. How so? Like I'm thinking about like the Nikki character. Yes. And in the book, he's a destructive force pretty much from the beginning. Yep. Simone has to come. I love Simone. Simone is magical. She's so good in the book and she's such a good friend. And But in the show, and I like that they flesh out her story a little yes. bit more in the show. But she's supposed to come like get Daisy out of that situation. She, you know, it's a bad situation. She's like really being enabled with drugs. He's not a kind person to her necessarily. He makes her feel safe, but it's kind yeah. of false safety. The thing that I think, because that was one of the parts that I said like pulled me out, yeah. is because the the line when she says, she's talking about her wedding, and she says like, I regret a lot of things in my life. I will never regret that day. Uh-huh changes the entire story arc of their marriage in the book what she says is i regret a lot of things in my life i'll never regret that dress yeah which i think shows like oh it's just first of all such a better line it shows so much more of like who daisy is of like hey the relationship was crap i was in like the worst state of my life but i looked great she loves how that's awesome and her image is yes and it's so important to her and i think the show did a weird switch of like romanticizing Nikki in a way that I don't think came across quite right because as the viewer, you don't get the like, you know, he's toxic. You know that they're probably not good for each other, but he still seems like a good guy. He does. He's like, he like has deep feeling conversations. Yes. And he like encourages her to go back yes which is so supposed to do that no and i think that her fighting it and being like i can't go back i can't go back that's not how it was in the book from what i remember she was still like this album is the most important thing to me my music is the most important thing to me right which i think is like the core of book daisy and that's part of what makes her so magical is that even when it sucks and even when she hurts so bad she the music is what is the most important thing in the world to her so to have her like fear of billy kind of crush that in the show i think did a huge detriment it was it was to her character and yeah. it lifted nikki up in a way that i don't think we should have done i thought about it and i wondered if they thought modern viewers wouldn't like daisy if she was being controlled by a man like that oh. but it's like that's like we can't have the story be of its time. It. Yeah, like at like, the time, well, like women were manipulated by like that. And that still happens to powerful women today. Totally. Like that's, Especially yeah. if you're if you're on drugs all the time yeah. and you're inhibited that way. I just, yeah, I thought that his was story was really sanitized. I yes. thought like they kind of threw the, the drug stuff in there at the end just to kind of be like, oh, and I don't know. It, yeah. I just I just thought it was a little sanity. And I think that Simone being there and giving Daisy the rings and, like, being a part of – I am sorry, these are a lot of spoilers. But, like, <laughs> doing the wedding like that and allowing Simone to be a part of it. So weird. Again, it was like, that's not – when Simone gets to Italy in the book, she it's an Italian prince, not yeah. an Irish prince – but it, when Simone gets there, it's already too late. And she, like, right. has to pick up the pieces of Daisy having already married Nikki and having right. already committed herself decision. to this, like, man who we don't know anything about except for that he's a prince. Yeah. Maybe. It needed to be. That's. I think they could have made the stakes a lot higher. Yep. It needed to be. And then there was that weird part that I just think was so strange when Simone is talking to one of Nikki's friends and they're talking about like creative. Yes. And the guy was like, he's kind of annoying and condescending, but he's basically like, you don't need to be famous. Like your poetry or your art or whatever can just be for you and you can just write it for yourself and that's fine. And Simone's real judging. She's like, well, no, it's to be shared. And he's like, no, it's not. It's like the journey is important. You got to create your own stuff. And she was basically like, well, Daisy isn't like that, which is fair. But then later she's like, Daisy's not like your friends who write sonnets on the weekend for fun. And yes. I was like, that's such a weird thing to say. Like, what's wrong with that? It is. Yeah. And I think it's just, I think it's a different in, it's a difference in different types of artists because like yeah. I am someone who 
Deep Dark Confession, wrote fan fiction, never posted it anywhere because I was like, no one else needs, like, this is just to get my ideas out of my brain. Yes. I'm not going to worry about, like, posting it and, like, getting reviewed or whatever. But I have friends who are like, the whole reason you write is to connect with the community. Right. I'm like, well, that's the whole reason you write. Exactly. That's not what I'm trying to. So I think it's just a difference. And I think it could have been a very poignant conversation, but it was just kind of, like, brushed under the rug and, like. Kind of just made to look like Simone was judging when, yeah, <laughs> when that's not what it should yeah, have been. Why it should do have those styles have to be pitted against each yeah, other. Yeah, it's like just that. yep. All right, we'll move on from a show in a second. Amanda, yes. I'm sorry, Amanda hasn't watched it yet. She's saving it for after we do this discussion. But um, okay, I'm just enjoying your conversation. <laughs> talk I'm really hard to lean back here and not breathe deeply into the <sighs> microphone or drink loudly. <laughs> Maybe real quick, we um, you brought this up, Elizabeth, and I think it's important that they change the lyrics in a big way. Yes. I just need to say right off the bat, the fact that they took When You Think of Me, I Hope It Ruins Rock and Roll, out of Regret Me, I am not a violent person, but I could <laughs> throw hands at whoever made that decision because I think, and I will say, like, listening to the songs in the context of the show, changed it for me when I was just hearing, like, in the preview when she says, like, oh, you'll regret me, but I'm beating you to it, dude. I was like, dude, what are we doing? Yeah. No, it, this is supposed to dude. be poetic and magical. And and there is another line where she says something about, like, oh, but I'm not easing up on this mic. Yeah. And I'm like, that feels like a 90s rep, like, yes. diss track. That does yeah. not feel like a 70s, yeah. like, hate ballad. It's yeah. a very confusing. So, yeah, I think... I do think the songs are good. I just think that Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote magical lyrics. They were really good. And I remember when you told me that, I was like, okay, I bet what happened, and this was before I had watched it or read it, I was like, I bet what happened is Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote very complicated poetic lyrics and then the musicians had to pare them down because that lyrics aren't like poetry necessarily. Hard to get them with music. Yes. And it was totally the opposite. Like Taylor Jenkins Reid, I wrote, I think wrote some really solid lyrics that would have been pretty easy to put to music. Yeah. And they made them more complicated. The Sublime song is completely different, right? Yes. It was supposed oh, to be Tiny Love. Yep. And I, I, and even when I was watching the show, I was like, Sublime. Like, yeah. who, and I, I wondered if maybe they felt like they had to make it so um distinctive lyrically that it would be like without a doubt that the guy ripped her, her off right mm-hmm. but i was like sublime is a hard word to put in songs yes like when they're even song. i can't remember what lyric it is but i think it might be regret me where she's like she says like an i too regret you or something and they like flip yeah. it around and they make the lyric yes 10 times more complicated than it needs to be and I think it's supposed to be for like, oh, so poetic, but it just comes across as like, you took a very simple thing and made it. <laughs> I, I sing it the other way every time. Two yes. still rhymes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you switched the, I don't understand what they're doing. You don't have to put it like that. Yeah. So it's yeah, I think, I think that they, they're beautiful songs. They're wonderful. They're so fun to sing along. Uh, the actress who plays Daisy, voice is beautiful and yeah. she really gets the like, gruffness the music is great i just again don't understand why some of the changes were made yeah they like simplified some things and complicated some other things i wonder too because thinking about how slick when people say it's slick or Mm -hmm. like overly polished or um maybe not true to the grunginess of the time i was on youtube just watching you know just wasting time on youtube and there were so I, – I think I had watched the trailers a few times. And so the YouTube algorithm knew that I liked it. And so they kept showing me, like, all of these promo things that the actors from the show did. Yeah. And it was like, they do a test to figure out which Daisy Jones character they are. They do, like, a game – play Daisy Jones characters yeah. play charades. And it's to your point, Elizabeth, about – how, like, the mystery is completely destroyed, even though it's a fake band and yes. fake actors. It's like, this is so cheesy and so now. And so, and there was a video of Riley, the actor who plays Daisy, doing her, like, makeup routine. She's talking, she does, like, this 30-step makeup routine that they all do, and she's talking about how she wished in another life she'd be an esthetician. And I was just like, this is the worst. It's so, well, and even, like, because I follow all of the actors on Instagram, oh. and even, like, the 
amount that they are posting about it, I'm like, secondhand, like I'm annoyed by it because I'm yeah. like, we know that the show's coming out. Like I don't need <laughs> 15 million behind the scenes pictures. Yes. And it, it is this like, they're like, and like when you're watching the show and the ads come up on the side of Amazon that are like, buy the vinyl, here's some like band merch that they made, here's some more behind the scenes things. And I'm like, this mass production of like a fake band, it really speaks to something gross. Yes. <laughs> Where like you used to, if you went to a Led Zeppelin concert, the only time you're getting a concert shirt is at the concert. Yeah. Now it's like, I was at Target and they're selling Lizzo tour shirts. I know those which I was like how is how does that make any sense? <laughs> Get a Lizzo shirt by oh, all you means saw but Lizzo in yeah. concert. No, I, I got this at Target. <laughs> yeah, no, it was at really Target. Like it's just so confusing to me, but yeah, I think that it it does it that speaks authenticity, to guess. Yeah. I will say though something about the like slickness of it. You have to modernize the 70s to a certain point because yeah. like we really romanticize the style and like the especially the decor mm. that was a lot of gross carpet and true <laughs> like, do we really want to see all that again yeah and like floral wallpaper that is cute in theory when you modernize the ideas right. like there's a point where daisy's laying on her bed and one of the pillows is so definitely from like urban outfitters yeah yeah but it has the vibe of the 70s right. it's all about the vibe it's not about the, pleasing to the eyes yeah so, the yeah. actual detail of the 70s was like a lot of suede Mac and macrame yeah, yeah sweat we don't need that. Okay, yes, yeah, some real likes for Daisy Jones and the Six. I used our fantastic um, novelist, which is one of the um, databases that we pay for. So if you have a Troy Public Library card, you can uh, access that through our website. Um, some of the things they mentioned, There Goes Gravity by Lisa Robinson. The Ensemble by Aja Gable. The Final Review of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. Did you read that book? Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I was like, you had to have read that book, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. And you better read it. Couldn't even read my own writing. A Visit from the Goon Squad. Oh, yeah. By Jennifer Egan. Did you read that one? Yeah. I remember my old coworkers talking about that one. So those are for adults. Um, if you want some fun music books for kids, both biographies and just fun whole list of fiction and nonfiction. There's a really fantastic website that I use a lot um, for different ideas that we do down in the youth department. It's called readbrightly.com. If you go there, they have a search box, type in rock and roll. It will give you a ton of different fun lists of books that you can do. I believe that go from picture books up through teen books. So definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, pass it back to you. And right now I'm reading Jeff Tweedy's biography from the band Wilco and it's so funny yeah it's called let's go so we can get back um Carly Simon's biography is really good too called boys in the trees she writes about writing the song that you're so vain song she had a marriage to James Taylor that she writes about and she had a really interesting life there is the Patty Boyd book is really good um I read that one a long time ago. That one's fantastic. There's one called Positively Fourth Street. That's really good. And that one's about sort of the collection of artists who were popular during like the folk revival with Bob Dylan. Um, That one was incredible. No Direction Home is an incredible uh, documentary about Bob Dylan. I said, oh, The Last Waltz, which is if you haven't seen The Last Waltz and you like music at all, that's like your number one thing you have to do. It's the band, who is Bob Dylan's backing band. Mm-hmm. They did their final farewell concert on Thanksgiving in San Francisco. Um, and they, what? No, I'm just, it was. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. It's so, I mean, every I artist. who is really big into Bob Dylan. So I think I saw that like six times. times. <laughs> and it's a lot to digest. It's a lot. than once. But so. it's really good if you're interested in like, a band story yes. and mm-hmm. it has Dr. John and Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Neil Diamond and Neil Young and Van Morrison. I was about to say Van Morrison. Ooh, yeah. That's a lot so of famous good. people the Staples, from that time period. I'm obsessed with the Staples. Mavis Staple does this. In, oh, Emmylou Harris. So it's like this, inc- like what? Like person after person mm-hmm. after person comes on stage and you see them do all these great songs. And Almost Famous is obviously my favorite movie. Yes. 
And then you recommended Scott Pilgrim, too. Yes. Which, that such a great suggestion. It's a good one. And it's it, a little more video game focused than like specifically music focused, but it's... But it has Metric, and Metric yes. is like one of my favorite bands, and the they have a band in Scott Pilgrim that's heavily based off of Metric. Yes. The songs in that is so good. So good. Yes. I did think of a couple um, biographies and like books that I could throw onto the list. Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. one of the best autobiographies I've ever read it is he's just a gem of a human so that's a good one and then there's this weird series of books that I read in college and they're like the gospel according to the Beatles or the gospel according to Bruce Springsteen and things like that and they're it just goes back to like the really interesting tie between like musicians and religion and how those things can tie together in a very Mm -hmm. deep and interesting way so that's a good I don't think it's like has a series name. You just have to search like the gospel according to the Beatles and they'll all come up. But that's a very good short read. I think that's all I have. But that's fantastic. <laughs> so we've given you a lot to read. If you like music, you have a lot of homework to do right now. We're basically uh, the guy from School of Rock. We're giving you all of your <laughs> yes, all of your musical enlightening homework. homework. <laughs> all right, kids, rock on. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading. Happy reading.